Everybody knows how to work those bad boys now. All you gotta do is show the people at the table the QR code. It'll take you right to the GoFundMe account. Now one trick with GoFundMe, don't tip them, all right? Unless you really wanna tip them. You can slide that little thing down to zero if you want, and that'll actually help save you a little bit of dollars. Dave, I wanted to honor you this morning. I wanted to thank you for being that man in my life. I wanted these guys to just show you generosity and gratitude for what first responders do. I wanted them to come alongside all of you guys at the first responder table and just say thank you. So I would extend a challenge to every single man in this room. Give five bucks, give 10 bucks, do something alongside. And at the end of today, I'm gonna to make an announcement of how much money that you and I are gonna to have to match. I hope it's a lot. All right, so last thing I want you to tell the guys a little bit about at the end of these stories, what your vision is that these first responders that watch this film would actually experience. Wow. So I, I, as, as officers and as first responders watch this film, they're, they're going to relate to the stories in this film. But what they're not going to see on the outside world is how lives are restored, how faith is restored, and how hope is found and centered on a kingdom-focused vision. And that's what we hope to acquire. Through the Hope Center, we have now trained 14 first responders to be peer counselors. And if you guys, you guys in the military table can appreciate this, you know, other first responders are not going to reach out and they're not going to talk to, and they're not going to sit down and spill their guts, so to speak, and spill their woes and their stresses to anybody else but another first responder. And what we want is we want somebody who is living for Christ to be that person that they reach out for with a clear-cut, focused five-week plan, a mentoring and peer plan that is going to focus and bring them back center their life on Christ. So that's what we're looking for at the end of this film, is to direct them and point them, have everything point towards Jesus as the ultimate healer. Because we know everyone in this room knows that is the answer to our prayers, each and every single one. So I ask, I certainly appreciate, David, what you're doing, but first and foremost, we just ask for prayers as we go through this weekend and next weekend, and craziness of filming. I'm not a film producer. I have no, I have no idea what to expect today, other than I'm sure I'll be running around handing out equipment and do whatever. If anything, guys, we just ask for your prayers for this week that lives are changed. Lives are changed when they get an opportunity to see this film and it points them to what it is they need. Because I believe everything in my heart that if we get first responders on a Christ-centered mission, that they are gonna be better and more professional out there in the street. Is that not what we all want? You know, and I'm not gonna focus on the negativity that's out there in the world. I don't care about that. My focus is gonna be kingdom focused. And it's going to continue to be that that way. And I think that's what we tried in the first responders. So I'm taking enough time. Hey, this is real important, and it's even here locally. Two Orange County firefighters that committed suicide in the last three months. Yeah. Another Orange County firefighter just this past weekend committed suicide. So, man, we need to get we need to get the message out there. We need to get their butts, as we say, the butts in the seat here every Friday morning. And that is just so important. To me again somebody asked me yesterday what one of my personal missions is to serve those who serve others uh, and i think that's what got your six is doing love you buddy <laughs> one last surprise you can sit down though for this one every man that donates this morning is going to be invited to the premiere we're going to have a premiere 
And it's gonna, uh, obviously the film is only five minutes, so we're gonna fill some other elements. We may have it at the West Orange Five or at the Garden Theater, so let you know Brooke and I talked about that last night. So the pre-premiere, you gotta get dressed up in a little tuxedo and red carpet, all nine yards. All right, Joe, who's coming to introduce Enrique? Come on up, Joe. Morning, guys. Good morning. I hope everyone can hear me. The first thing I want to do is open in prayer. And I want to turn your attention to James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise up him. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and as it is working. So please, if you're covered, let's uncover and go to the Lord. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we come this morning with humility in our hearts and our minds, seeking your presence through your Holy Spirit, that what we have this morning is a collection of bodies that become one with you. We thank you for the time you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity that we've received. And we ask that each one here will hear from you this morning. This is our prayer. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I have a bio for this young man, and it is long. So I'm not using it. Thank God I know I'm well enough. I met him five years ago at a, uh, a little gathering that we have over in Clermont military gentleman. I invited him here, and he came. He's been here ever since. This young man is from Jamaica. He's been married three times. Through that, he's got eight grown children, 14 grandchildren, and two great grandchildren. Right now, he's not married. He's still trying to figure it out. <laughs> but I think he's using us to help him on his next one. But what amazes me most about this young man, and the guys at the military table will understand this. This man, being from Jamaica, came to the U.S., went to school, served in the military as an enlisted man for 20 years. But then, that wasn't good enough. He did another 20 years as an officer. Then, finally, they kicked him out. <laughs> they told him he was too old. So, without further ado, May I present to you, Mr. Enrique Gilbraj. Good morning. Good morning. I hope everyone can understand my accent. Sometimes the Jamaican comes out. <laughs> if you're hearing too much Jamaican, just raise your hand and I'll try to go as much American as I can. Florida is the most the church state in the United States. How many of us here are aware of that? 
we are leaving the church. And I don't understand why, because we're older, we're supposed to be wiser, and if we're not getting out of the house as much, we should be at home reading the Bible. And when you read the Bible, you learn about God and you learn what you're supposed to do, and hopefully you'll practice it, but it's not happening. The Bible, is it true? Can we unequivocally say that it is true? Read it. You might, you will like it. I did. Until you've read the Bible and tested it for yourself, you will be hard pressed to make an unequivocal statement that it's true or false. My focus this morning as the first on that for uh, the military table is to answer the question, how can we trust that the Bible is true? Please allow me to read Romans 12, 12, but after what Joe read, I don't even know if it's necessary for me to read this. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Please hold fast to these four words, be constant in prayer. My intent this morning is to demonstrate the relevance of these words to us. My time this morning is short, so I won't go deep into, I'll skim it. However, I would share enough that should you desire to validate what I'm sharing with you, your task will be that much easier when you get home and get to your own Bible. From January 1966 through November 1968, I was a member of the Dominican Order of Preachers. Cloistered in a Roman Catholic monastery in Rugeley, Stafford, England, I spent the greater part of each day, Monday through Saturday, learning of the creation of the Roman Catholic faith or religion and worked that resulted in the assembly of our Holy Bible as we know it today. We who believe in the birth and death of Jesus Christ were one congregation after the death of Jesus and into time extended. We were the Roman Catholic Church and were spread throughout the then known world. Sometime after 500 AD, there was a meeting of the head muckety marks, the big officials. <laughs> and they started the, the determination of what scriptures, writings, should be combined to create the Bible. Their takeaway from the first convention was, go home, study your handout, and be prepared to discuss and vote the next meeting on what stays and what goes. They did this for several meetings into the future. But keep in mind that some of these meetings were as many as 50 years apart. And we had a Bible in the Roman Catholic Church. Today, we have the Roman Catholic Church and many, many, many other denominations. The very first split came as a result of a disagreement between the leadership. This resulted in the formation of the Greek Orthodox Church. Each new denomination came about because of disagreement and breaking off from the Roman Catholic Church. There was always a fight, disagreement, a divorce, and the creation of a new family. And this will continue until Jesus returns. The Roman Catholic Church doesn't have the corner on the name Catholic. I believe 
that a Catholic is one who believes in the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that he will come again one day. So if you're Baptist, Pentecost, non-denominational, you are a Catholic. You're not a Roman Catholic, but you are a Catholic. I can't tell you where or when I first encountered the power of prayer, but I do believe in the power of prayer. And today, the power of prayer is my tool for demonstrating that the Bible is true. When you read the Bible, you will discover that God said pray. Jesus said pray. And the apostles also said pray. And when we pray, our prayers are answered. Not necessarily on our timetable, but they are answered. There are many forms or styles of praying to God. However, I believe that there are two main streams of prayer. Please understand that this is my personal opinion and not the restatement of the opinion of some scholarly person. I believe that we have linear and nonlinear prayer. I will quickly share some scriptures with you that support my opinion. You may write them down and check me later if you feel like doing so. The first four are example of linear prayer. And by linear, I mean, I talk to David and David grants me what I want. It's a straight line, straight to David, straight response. The woman with an issue of blood, she went, she spent her money, she was broke and got no solution. And then she prayed through a thought, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, she touched him and she was healed. The Canaanite woman, she had a sick daughter, but her sect didn't allow her to talk to Jesus. And Jesus' sect didn't allow him to talk to her. But she went and she said, Master, can you heal my daughter? And he said, I can't do that. We can't even give you the crumbs from our table. And she persisted and he said, You've got great faith, daughter. Your daughter is healed. The centurion, it's not a Christian, didn't know anything about Christianity, but he went, and he went a step further than the others who were present. He asked God to help his servant, asked Jesus, and Jesus said, okay, when I'm done here, I'm coming with you, and I'm going to go heal your servant. And he said, no, don't come with me. Just say the word. He prayed. Peter, when he was in the boat and the storm was raging, saw Jesus approaching them and they were all scared. And he said, Jesus, is that really you? And he said, yes. He says, if it's really you, bid me come out of the boat. And he came out of the boat and he walked on the water for a while. But as is common with us, he looked away. But that's another story. Now, nonlinear prayer. God said to Abraham, Take your only begotten son that you got late in life and go sacrifice him. Take wood, take a knife, go on the mountain. I have read and reread that scripture. Not once did I hear him pray, open me and say, God, give me a break. This is my only child. But somewhere along the line, someone must have been praying for him. Because when he got ready to sacrifice his son, Isaac, the angel said, uh-uh, don't do that. There is a ram in the thicket. 
I think that's nonlinear prayer. Something similar happened to Joseph in Egypt when he was in the dungeon. He answered or interpreted the dreams of those who were in prison with him, and they promised things to him. He kept on doing what he was doing in prison until somebody's prayer got to the butler, and the butler told the king, hey, there's a guy in the dungeon who can interpret your dream, and, they, and Joseph came out of the dungeon. Then there's Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. <laughs> they were thrown into the fiery furnace. That furnace was so hot that the people who threw them in got burned. And as the king's watching, he realizes that it's not one, not two, not three, but there are four guys in there walking around. Somebody prayed for them, and God showed up. Daniel, Daniel upsets the people around him, and they want to get this guy. He's not one of us. I don't know why the king put him in that position. And they set a trap for him that worked, and he gets thrown in the lion den. But these lions were made hungry before Daniel got there. The next morning, the king went and said, oh, Daniel, are you there? But if you read closely before the king goes and does that, he was praying for Daniel himself because Daniel was converting him. So the king prayed for Daniel, and when he went and he called out to him, Daniel said, hey, I'm here. The lions, they didn't bother me. We're... we're here conversing. I'm trying to convert them too. The last one is Peter. Peter is in prison. Jesus is dead. Peter is in prison. And they're praying for Peter. They're praying for Peter. And the angel comes and it gets him out of the jail and puts him on the street. And Peter goes to the house where they're praying for him. And he knocks on the door. And the servant girl runs out and she looks. She opens the door. And Peter is standing there. And she looks at him and she's surprised and she slams the door in his face and she runs back and she says, hey, Peter's at the door. They're still praying for Peter. They're still praying and God moves so fast, he's there. That's the power of prayer. And I'll give you one last one. I go to Virginia to do a six months advanced quartermaster's course. I come home at the end of six months, haven't seen my kids, haven't seen my wife. I go to Puerto Rico, I'm stationed down in Puerto Rico at this time. We stayed up, we talked all night. When they fall asleep, I get up, I get dressed. My unit is in the field, so I'm gonna go out. I get in my car and I drive along the highway of Puerto Rico and I fall asleep. And the car rolls over and rolls over and rolls over and it's a pancake when they came down to the bottom of the hill and popped the door open. I am laid out flat. It's not a scratch on me. My uniform is still nice and neat. And I try to go to work. And they call the general, and the general says, no, take him home. I wasn't praying. Somebody prayed for me. In linear prayer, you pray to God, and he directly answers your prayer. It's much like going into the store, ordering a loaf of bread. It's handed to you and you pay and leave. In nonlinear prayer, Christians around the world are praying for each other, and God hears and he answers. If I have truly learned the purpose of prayer, it leads me to emphatically state that we must make prayer 
for others, an integral part of our daily communication with God. I believe that there are more stories of answered non-linear prayers than linear. When we pray for others, we show brotherly love. This, I know, is an important part of being a Christian. Try praying for others. You will create a chain reaction, and God will bless you in return for doing so. Somewhere in the Bible, I think it says, cast your bread upon the water, it will come back to you. Let's make prayers for others throughout the world a part of our daily lives. The Bible instructs us to pray without ceasing and pray for one another. And I can prove that the Bible is true. Thank you. Uh, captains, I sent you guys an email uh, last night with uh, the three questions. So uh, we're going to spend the rest of the morning at our table. So uh, table captains, the floor is yours.